0: Hi, I'm Jeffrey, and welcome back to Nightfalls. Come, settle in for tonight's calming meditation and soothing bedtime story. As always, don't worry if you fall asleep before the end. You can drift off whenever you're ready. Come, warm your hands by the fireside tonight and let me tell you a little more about how the campfire burning before us came to be. Tonight, if you'll hear it, I'd like to tell you of the day Devani and I discovered the tapestry of time and the eternal being that wove it, His ancient magic, still to this day, keeps the flames of this campfire alight. Before we begin, here's a quick word from our valued sponsors who make this free content possible. in just two taps on both Apple Podcasts or via the Supercast link found in the show notes for all other podcast players. Your sleep will thank you for it, and so will I. Before we begin tonight's tale, let's take a moment to wind down and relax. Come to a comfortable position, and when you're ready, Allow your eyes to gently drift closed. Centre your attention on the sound of my voice, and allow me to guide you through a body scan to help you release any physical tension that has worked its way into your muscles after another long day. Draw a deep, Breath in through your nose. And as you exhale through your mouth, turn your attention to the crown of your head. To the muscles that draw your brow together. And stretch across your scalp. Take a moment to gather up all the tension within those muscles as you inhale. Inhale. And on your out-breath, feel it all draining from your body. Release your jaw. Let your tongue fall away from the roof of your mouth. And allow your shoulders to sink and settle into the soft cushions beneath you. Draw another deep breath in. And as you exhale, feel the muscles of your core softening and releasing. On your next in-breath, gather up the physical and emotional tension stored up in your hips. And as you sigh out in relief, feel it drain from your body as you settle deeper into the soft mattress beneath you. Your legs are long, and your arms are loose, as you allow a sense of deep relaxation to wash through you. And tonight's tale begins. Sunrise, at the very start of spring, has a way of stopping people in their tracks. It marks not just the dawn of a new day, but the dawn of a season. I wanted to be there to witness the flowers take their first breath, to see their petals melt open beneath the heat of the golden sun for the first time. Devani and I had risen early and made the trip up to the clifftop that the falls flowed over. Standing back a little from the edge, we watched the sun creep higher and higher into the sky. The birds rose slowly, not bothering to take to the air until the sky had burned through the deep pinks of dawn. It would then wash away the amber-gold of the waking hour with gentle spring rain that parted into perfect blue skies before my very eyes as I rested my chin on top of Devani's head, and she leant gently backwards onto my chest. Bird song swelled in the air around us as the sun stilled in the sky poised for another day. Pleased enough just to have risen with the sun and been filled with a sense of accomplishment so early in the day, I felt sure that the best way to proceed would be to return to the clearing and catch up on the sleep we had missed out on. Hand in hand, we stepped away from the clifftop and made a left at the rosebush we knew to conceal Nightfall's very own moon dial. Had we not been awake so long, and had the time to come to our senses, we might not have noticed the threads caught upon the thorns of that white rosebush so early in the morning. We stopped to inspect the twine tangled around the bush and woven through its branches. And I couldn't help but wonder if the threads had been there the night Lyra led us up to visit the moon dial. What are your plans today? Tiffany asked, with eyes brighter than the midday sun. Her hand was resting lightly on one of the waxed threads leading away from the rose bush, and disappearing into the pine forest. I could almost sense the direction of her thought. No plans. I smiled. Would you be interested in solving a mystery? She asked. Her brow arched, as though she were already settled deep in solving mode. Absolutely, Devani. I laughed, planting a kiss on the tip of her nose. It's detective to you she tutted, tapping a finger against my chest, as if to articulate her point. She pushed away from me, placed one hand on her hip, and brought another to her face. What are you doing? I laughed as she rubbed at her chin and paced up and down. I'm scratching my imaginary beard, it helps me think, she insisted, I got the sense she was only half-joking, because her pacing and pretending was precisely what led us to our first clue. Devani's eyes fixed on the roots of the rosebush, and something in them stirred at the realization. We know that the threads have been tangled here a long time, she said. We do, I interjected. We do, she affirmed. As though it entirely were obvious. The ends are wrapped around the bark at the base of the rose bush, and moss has grown to cover them. It has to have been growing there for quite some time because the twine is almost entirely rotten. Look, she said, leaning down and brushing a little of the moss out of the way so I could see more clearly. I must confess I hadn't spotted that detective, I laughed, setting aside my pride and getting into character. That's why you're only deputy, she preened, placing a fingertip upon one of the threads that disappeared into the pine forest and following it into the shade of the trees. Indeed, I laughed, as I fell into step behind her. In the woods the threads seemed to tangle around the roots of a tree. It was as though the rose bush had been the first knot, and the thick roots of the pine tree, around which the twine was tangled, made for a double knot of sorts. As the threads carried away from that first pine, they began to weave together and form the beginnings of the richest tapestry I had ever seen. The tapestry appeared endless to the eye and seemed to have stitched itself miles off into the distance, until the shadows that gathered at the foot of the hillside obscured it from my view. Its pattern was rich, even in the beginning, when it seemed rather as though our weaver was learning on the job. It was hard to interpret the story those first threads told, but not for lack of detail. Though perhaps the weave was not as tidy or well-threaded as it would come to be eventually, didn't take long for Devani to realize that it told of the passage of time. I think perhaps I didn't notice, Simply because those first threads were weaving out the world so ancient, it was almost unrecognizable. It had to have been years since those first images were formed, for dust had settled between the twine, and the colors that dyed the threads' rich reds, golds, purples, and greens, had begun to bleed and blend together. Perhaps the weaver had bound the tapestry itself with a spell of some sort, or maybe over time a little of the magic that lingers low between the pine trees, had come to settle atop of the ancient cloth, whatever magic was bound to or had settled like dust upon, the artwork must have been disturbed when I ran my fingertips across the golden thread, marking out the shape of a young woman. The workmanship had somewhat taken my breath away, and when I drew another deep one in and tried to clear my mind enough to memorize her shape stitch by stitch, I found that I could almost taste the magic in the air around me. Devani must have sensed it too, and drew another deep breath in, as if to make sure she was not mistaken. It didn't taste anything like any of the magic I knew it wasn't as citrusy as the power that rolled off of Devani, or as floral as any of Lyra's work. The magic of nightfalls itself was often hard to separate from the sweet smell of the pine trees it lingered between, and Anwen's powers always seemed to leave the air tasting a little salty, which struck me as odd because, I had only ever known her to swim in fresh water. The magic bound in the tapestry was old, no doubt, but there was nothing familiar about it. It tasted rich and heavy, sweet, and perhaps even a little savory, as I drew the smell of it in through my nose, and tasted it as I sighed out through my mouth. It came to settle within me slowly, drizzling like thick, rich honey off the back of a spoon. The old magic wasn't as sudden or startling as the forms of it that I had grown used to, and so when the tapestry began to wrap itself around me, and draw my mind away from my body. I welcomed it into my arms, and I opened my mind to it. The old magic had been gentle with Devani and I. It had moved us through time slowly, steadily, something the magic of nightfalls had never had the patience for. The story the magic wove around us began in the dark of an endless night. At the dawn of time, it seemed, there was only the perfect piece of the darkness and the shape of a young woman who matched precisely the golden outline of the one i had seen woven into the tapestry. There was the dark and the sounds sourceless for all she knew, that sounded off in the distance, and never made it their business to bother her. There were no stars piercing the dark of the night sky, and she had yet to make the acquaintance of the moon. The gentle sound of her breath washing in and out kept her company as the silence and stillness of a never-ending night reeled on around her. I could already sense that she would come to think of that time to herself as the time before, for every thread of the story being woven around Devani and I seemed to fizz with possibility and promise of the life and adventure to come. I wondered if Had she known what lay ahead of her, had she understood how bright and wild, feeling and fool, her life was to be, she might have lingered a little longer in the quiet of that night. To cherish the stillness that could be so hard to settle into when one doesn't know it well. The stars didn't light the sky all at once. They were in no rush to put an end to the perfect darkness of that night. They began to pepper the night sky little by little, as if daring one another to get close to the lightless, to the lightless planet in the darkest corner of the cosmos. When the sun finally rose for the first time, The woman wasn't surprised. She knew the stars would keep coming nearer until they had shed enough light into the shadows shrouding the earth in mystery. That first dawn was unlike any she would ever experience again. She watched the sky burn through pinks to amber-gold She wanted and waited for the sun to retreat, but it didn't deign to until it had reached as high as it could above her. When it finally began slowly falling out of the sky in the opposite direction to that in which it had risen, she set about exploring, sensing that the sunlight would soon give way to the shadows she was so familiar with and shroud the earth in mystery once more. She walked for hours and hours, further than she ever had before. When the heat she had yet to grow used to became too much, she took shelter in the cool confines of a cave. At the back of that cave, She noticed something trickling down the rock face and pooling on the ground below. It was clear, crystalline almost, and a voice she hadn't heard before urged her towards it, guided her into cupping her hands together and lifting the water that flowed into them to her lips. She had no way of explaining what happened. She didn't even have words back then, and even if she had, there would have been no use for them. Nobody else knew any words, and as it happened, she didn't even know anybody else. The woman drank deep and felt herself waking and quenching the thirst of a thousand nights. All at once. She sipped long on the water flowing from the very core of the earth and didn't notice until she stepped away from the source that something had shifted within her. She wasn't familiar with the concept of time back then, but if she had been, she would have marked the way her body clock stopped that night and the fibers of her very being fixed, just the way they were. Thousands of years have passed since then, and in that time, just as many people have visited the cave and drunk deep from the water source, in the hope that eternal life would drip down their throats, just as they assumed it had hers, It transpired, however, that her eternal state had little to do with the water source and everything to do with the magic that already lay within her. Eventually, texts and tales would come to call her the Mother or Mother Earth, and that deep drink she took in the cool of the cave simply woke her true nature from its slumber. She drank water because it nourished her, and as she flourished, so too did the forests. When she basked in the sunshine, the flowers opened their petals and joined her. When she grew full from the fresh berries bursting from bushes, the ground beneath her feet all but sighed in satisfaction. It seemed to me that each time she chose to nourish herself, the world around her flourished too. And though none could claim to be as connected to the earth as the mother, I think that sentiment holds true for us all. When the first flint struck against the second and sparked fire for the first time, the Eternal Woman reached towards it and felt the heat of the sun at her fingertips. A little star, she thought, as she tried to explain how she had managed to summon a heat and light that had only ever belonged to the cosmos. For a time they celebrated the flames, she and a few others she had met along the way. They cooked together over the fire and watched it intently day and night, for fear that it would go out and they wouldn't be able to summon its warmth again. When she finally trusted that she could start her own fires wherever and whenever she wanted, she felt it was time to move on once more. She decided it was time to walk north, where the weather was cooler and the rain felt heavier. Devani and I disappeared deeper into the thicket. The story had fallen in swathes around the both of us. But I could still sense her a little up ahead of me as our hands continued to ghost across the tapestry, and the magic wove each moment of the mother's story around us. Life further north had proven tough, it seemed as the shape of the mother sheltering from snow in a cave stitched itself around us. She had eyes more tired than any I had seen before as she tended the fire, keeping the cold at bay. She never wavered, she never gave up, though she couldn't have heard the old adage, This too shall pass, for it wasn't nearly old enough. I rather wondered if I was witnessing the first being ever to weather storms, and know they would only be made stronger by them. It seemed that each time she was knocked back by bad weather or lack of knowledge, the mother reminded herself of the beauty of rainfall, and the marvel that drinking water fell from the sky, even when she had no way of knowing why. The mother was kind to herself. She forgave her mistakes, and she always gave herself time to learn. The world changed shape rather quickly after that and soon she had found friends, a family, love, and language. Together, they learned to make the most of the soil beneath their feet. They taught themselves to farm, and the tapestry told of long nights, and big feasts around campfires that burned just as eternally as the one in nightfalls. The fires the mother lit never seemed to wane. They were as eternal as her. The penny dropped that it had to have been she that lit the campfire in nightfalls. Perhaps it never waned simply because she had had more time to practice lighting a good fire than anyone else on earth. Or perhaps she had learned to bind the flames her own eternal spirit. However she managed it, I realized that the honey-like heaviness to her ancient magic hung in the air around a nightfall's campfire, too. We followed the tapestry a little further through the forest, reading it around a rosemary bush and into the heather that crawled down the hillside. Sure enough, thousands of years after the weaver's story began, she found herself by the falls and struck flint against flint to light the fire that has burned every day since. Just as it seemed she had gotten settled by the falls and knew how to live in the new world, it went and changed shape again. This time, there were people in their billions, starting companies, selling goods, making bricks, and building with them. The mother set to traveling again, wandering out of the mountains and into the nearest town. There she boarded a steam train, one of the very first of its kind, and made her way to Edinburgh City. Everything about the world beyond the mountain range felt different. There were fashions, feelings, and ideas about how best to live, and they seemed to keep changing. Life had taken on a beat. She rather struggled to keep time with at first. Decades passed, and she built a home for herself, a life that looked different to any she had lived before. The city was exciting, and the pace of life seemed only to increase. It was as though between its streets the world turned faster and faster. Letters that had once taken weeks to send took days, and then only seconds to arrive. She liked it for a time. The thrills of modern life food she didn't have to go in search of, the information that was always at her fingertips. But eventually, she found herself craving the peace of the past. Her body had hardly aged at all, and yet her mind had grown weary. It was as though a year in the city meant. For in her mind. She found herself once more craving long, peaceful walks and land to live off. When she made the decision to return to nightfalls, she found the fire she had set all those years ago was still burning brightly for her. She slept on the beach beneath the stars most nights, not far from the spot Devani and I like to stretch out upon. After the rush of the city had crowded her thoughts for so long, she found she finally had time to think. She had changed a great deal over the centuries, but so too had the earth it seemed that for the mother, just as it did for most, the passing of time eventually ushered in a fear that she might have lost herself along the way, when, in truth, she had simply adapted. A moment alone in the peaceful privacy of the mountains was all she needed to remind herself that change could be, and generally was, a good thing. As I watched her story weaving around me, I couldn't help but feel the peace of her realization washing through my body. It's okay to change with the times, to grow in different directions over the years. The mother didn't regret the phases of her life. That she had spent travelling in the wrong direction, for those twists in her tail had helped her to grow. As Devani and I neared the end of the tapestry, I felt the eternal woman's tail unravelling around us. I had expected to find the loose threads of the tapestry tied around the foot of another pine. I was startled to find a distinctly human pair of feet poking out from behind the trunk of a tall tree. Devani and I rounded the tree and the boots attached to stretched out legs came into better view. Before us, leaning back against an old pine. The weaver herself continued to toil over the little loom in her hands. Her work was something of a tapestry of time. It told the story of the mother, the immortal woman, and the earth that had grown up with her. It took me a moment to realize that the weaver and the mother were one and the same, for the weaver had been modest in depicting her appearance. Her eyes were more intense than any I'd ever known, and I think Devani and I both felt a little bound up in her gaze. She was still swathed in her tapestry. It looped over her shoulders and pulled at her waist. The mother's smile was open and easy as she greeted us. It's your story, isn't it? Devani asked by way of greeting. Thank you for reading it, the mother said, nodding softly to herself. When will it be finished? I asked. In just a moment, the wise woman beamed. She turned the loom she held in her hands to show us how her tale concluded. There, before us, woven into the tapestry, was a depiction of Devani and I in conversation with the Eternal Woman. I've been waiting for a good ending to come along for a while now, when I realized that you had begun to read my tale. I thought perhaps it was time to draw this chapter to an end, to cut the threads and start a new story. I have for some time been caught up to the present, and perhaps hanging on to the past. She invited us to sit beside her, and we watched her weave as she finished telling a tale she had been waiting to tell for thousands of years. When the last thread was tied off, she cut away the rest of the framework and drew a deep breath in. There, she said, sighing out as if a decades of work could be brought to a head and set aside just as simply as she had set down her loom. A hush seemed to sweep through the forest then, and the Eternal Woman vanished on the tide of that quiet leaving the tail-end of her tapestry at our feet, and her story etched into our minds forevermore. In the shadows that befell that side of the valley in the early evening, I didn't think I'd ever felt more exhausted I reached out for Devani's hand and gave it a gentle squeeze. Good work, detective, I said, catching her smile out of the corner of my eye, and hoping that the soft sound of her laughter would find its way into my dreams that night. As we drifted off, to sleep.